Welcome to show number three of Where Are We Going? My name is Jason Weedle. Today's show is talking about Jesus outside the church. Earlier this year, a Pew Research study was released that again showed dramatic decreases in the number of people in the United States who are affiliating themselves with particular Christian denominations or particular churches. We continue to see decreases in the number of people who are attending church, who are calling themselves Christians, who are affiliating themselves with particular denominations. And for many people, especially those who are church leaders and who have found home and identity within the church, it's concerning. How do we help people to know God and understand God when it seems that they are less and less interested every day? It seems that the culture is changing not just becoming less interested in church and spirituality, but maybe changing the way we are interested in spirituality, changing the way we choose to relate to and understand God. On this episode, I talked to several different folks who are approaching this challenge in different ways and looking at how to help people to understand, to relate to, to know God, even outside the confines of institutional religion. First, I talked to Scott Matkovich and Brad Gross, who host the Outsiders podcast, a show that's examining Christianity and the church from outside. Neither of them are members or active in a traditional church community but they care very much about the church and the future of Christianity in the United States. Say a little bit about what you do and who you are. Boy, what are some of the issues, Brad? <laughs> I think the biggest issue is you, Scott. I, it, it always is. starts with you. I'm always Not starting me. the trouble. Yeah. What? Nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll go ahead and start. So my name is Brad, and I, I grew up in the church, and I have been a leader. I went to a Christian college. I, I've been church my whole life. I mean, I actually, and not because of my family, because of my neighbors that they took me to church every week and Sunday school and youth groups and everything. And so I grew up with that and I grew up around traditional um, conservative evangelical values and even going to a Christian college, which was an EB free church school, um, Trinity College in Deerfield or International University, whatever they're calling it. And uh, I just found myself in a place where I feel like the institutional model of church just really wasn't doing it for me anymore. It just and, and not in a way of a personal preference, but I had a really hard time reconciling what my church was and what the New Testament shows. Mm-hmm. And, and that was always the struggle for me. It wasn't, it wasn't that like I was the doctrinal police and I was so worried about everyone's doctrine. What I was really worried about is how it just seemed to be this vacuous black hole that people were sucked into on Sundays, shot out, but then not, you never really knew what happened. And then everyone came back on Sunday and they faked their lives. No one was really honest. 
there were a couple scandals in the church that I grew up in that we all had to deal with and no one really knew how to deal with them. Um, And just the more and more, like even I I remember trying to, the the food pantry in town was struggling to meet the needs of the community. And I remember arguing with one of the pastors about just getting five minutes to talk about that need in service. And I was shot down every time I asked to have time in the service simply because, well, they had a schedule to keep. And it's like our neighbors who are supposed to love are starving and they don't have food and you're worried about your schedule. And the best part was when I, I told the seniors in our in our church, I went to like their Sunday school class and kind of shared the needs with them. They like they reamed that pastor out so hard and they're like, If you don't want if you don't want to take care of the food pantry, then you know, we we don't want to be here anymore. And so then all of a sudden, you know, there's an announcement being made. And then what happens is the food pantry runs out of space for all the food they're getting because we just made known the need. And it was like if we're wrestling and struggling through loving our neighbor and like if that's like not a priority, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Yeah. So that was that was for me like the big turning point because I've always just – lived in a very simple way when it comes to this stuff where Jesus says the greatest things you can do is love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. Okay, well, then those are the two things we should focus on. But instead, it's always like the color of the carpet, the style of music, the lights. Do we buy TVs or projectors? Like, what do we do? And the whole institution itself basically becomes self-perpetuating. It ha- it only exists to keep itself open. Right. And then everything is about getting tithes in and getting all the money and paying people, getting the right pastor. We want a more you know cool pastor. We want this younger guy. Or we want this guy. And everyone's getting fired, but you can't tell people you're getting fired because you've got to maintain this image that everything's okay. And it's like that's that's like what Jesus is teaching about with like the cup that's clean on the outside and dirty on the inside, you know, or it's like we're, we're telling our congregation lies to keep them happy. It's like, that's just not right. So that's kind of a, a, I would say if I were to sum up and answer your question, that's what I would say is wrong. Just lots of stuff wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scott, what's kind of, what's your experience or your uh, perspective? Yeah. Well, I, I became a Christian when I was 17. So about, almost 20 years ago. And about five years ago, um, I was fired uh, as an outreach pastor from a church um, because uh, much like Brad, I was just looking around and asking, why are the people inside the church who say they love Jesus, why aren't they any different than everybody else that I meet? And in fact, sometimes they're worse. Uh, the mm. They're gossipy, they reject people, they hurt people all in the name of their faith. And, uh, and yet these are the people we're trying to train and go tell people about Jesus. And so I, I became very leery of that whole culture and just found myself wanting, not wanting to go anymore, uh, and explore what Christianity looks like without the institutional church. Uh, and so, and that's kind of what we do on our podcast. We, we want to be a voice for what's already happening. And I think what, uh, people are already realizing in America and that is that there's this worldview of Christianity that looks very much different uh, than what's being presented in the church culture. I'm in a church regularly right now, but there was a period of, of a few years where I wasn't. And, you know, I'd been heavily involved before that in, in church leadership and, and doing a lot for a lot of years. And so it was it was almost difficult for me to know how to explain 
when somebody asks what church do you go to or you know what do you do on sunday morning or why aren't you in church it's almost embarrassing to try to explain it and uh but yet over that period of time i think i came to understand the church in a way that we rarely do when we're right in the middle of it mm-hmm. and um and also came to um to find the things that maybe that I really want to believe and embrace. Um, what, what do you think happens when, when, we are, when we are Christians who are kind of apart from the regular activities of, a, of an institutional church? Mm-hmm. I, I found that for myself that it was every time I interacted with someone who went to like an institutional church, it, it turned into some kind of discussion or an argument of like, I had to defend why this was okay. Um, but I think that for me personally, when I walked away from all of that, the thing that I walked into was just more of kingdom life and more of like actually doing the things like Jesus did. I was, giving money to people who were poor. I was praying for people on the street. I mean, just random things started popping up because Mm. I just got over this idea that this is the only way church can look. And I think that that's the biggest like wrestling match that Christians are having. The idea of leaving the institutional church is hard because this is all that we've ever known in America, especially. And so we just assume that this is what it is. And to go anywhere else, you you know, I for a long time defended myself, and and I realized I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to try to convince people that what I'm doing is right. Like they're where they're at for a reason. Yeah. And one day maybe they'll have a conviction and say, "Gosh, this just seems really messed up." But if not, that's okay too. My job is not to fix them. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of times, the way I I've dealt with the feeling is like. I I miss the community. To me, the church always comes down to just the community of believers. But I've always had a good community of faith. I've never had like – I mean lately it's been the last like six years or so. It's never been like, oh, this is my standard church community. But I've always just had a lot of good friends all over the place. I mean Scott and I live in two different time zones. But, you know, we stay in touch all the time. And I mean the podcast helps. But – you know, we're constantly messaging with each other. And it's like that, that to me is still a way of doing church, two brothers who are sharing their lives together. And it's not a fake, hey, Scott, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Oh, good. It's like, hey, this is what I struggle with. And I can be brutally honest with him. He can be brutally honest with me. And the one thing that I love is that it's just a more compassionate relationship too. I think the institutional church loves to live in law and and they they love to grab Paul's stuff about casting out the immoral brother and and so as soon as someone's in sin that that they confess they're like you got to get out until so it's like no I'm just struggling with this so it doesn't mean I'm perfect I'm not going to get through this I mean I, I don't just wake up after a prayer and be like wow I just have absolutely no sinful desires whatsoever <laughs> I mean they're everywhere and so it's like how what do you do then it's like the first moment I confess a sin that I'm wrestling you just throw me out I mean that mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it works for me but I mean it's I hope I'm answering the question because I always just ramble about this kind of stuff because I feel like it's such a huge topic. Sure. And, and the way that I've just like lived in it, it was just like I don't, I don't think that church has to be the way that the institutional church does it. It can still just be people – like the church I go to, which I loosely call a church, it's just a group of people that get together on Saturday that have never found like a small group to be safe in. 
and this is it. This is their family of people that they can share their life with. And they're single parents. There are people with five kids. There are like singles. There are, you know, kids fresh out of high school. There are kids fresh out of college. We've, I mean, I'm one of the older guys there. I'm 40. So, but it's just a place where we pray for one another. We, you know, we had two guys in our group um, go to Nepal for relief because one of the guys actually lived in Nepal for like seven years as a missionary. And he got called and said, hey, would you come help us with the earthquake relief? So while he went there, they paid for his way to go. The rest of us raised money. We raised over $600 a week to meet his family's bills and grocery needs. Without them, they never asked for it. One of the young guys in our group, he's like 25, was just like, hey, guys, here's a need that we can fill in. Here's what everyone could donate, and this is how we'll take care of them. And we presented them with that that money the three weeks he was gone, and they were just like blown away. But like that's the community of God. It isn't about all the structure and all this. It's just people saying uh, we're going to just take care of the needs of everyone around us. It seems that the most common objection to those who don't attend a Sunday morning church is from Hebrews 10.25 saying, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. I've heard this from many ministers who talk about those who don't attend church on Sunday morning. Yet I also heard a teacher speaking about this particular passage and say that assembling does not refer to getting together. It doesn't refer to our meetings. It refers to assembling something as as you would take separate parts and put them together as you would assemble a car out of separate car parts, as you would assemble a model out of Legos. And I think that puts a whole different spin on our idea of what it means for the people of God to be assembled. It's not simply about getting together, it's about being connected in a way that we are effective at doing something that God wants us to do. Yeah, and isn't that the, isn't that the big issue, is where is this infusing of the kingdom of God into the world, and, and how... And how does that really how does that really play out? Does it play out through social movements and advocacy and things like that, or does it play out by changing who we are, who, what our characters are, into the image of Christ, and then we just go be who we are to the world? Um, see, and I think that's the better the 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 renovation comes from the inside and then moves outward. It doesn't move from this outward. Uh, Im- imposing ourselves on on a an evil culture or whatever, and then try and and, and tame it. Uh, the world's never going to buy into that. They're just going to feel taken no. advantage of. So we, if they don't see it in our lives first, they're they're gone. Right? They're not going to buy it. And and yeah, and I think our like I said earlier, our, our critical message is just that: is Stop focusing on trying to get us to behave a certain way. Focus on what we really desire as people and how we bring that into the, the kingdom of God, and then everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, um, You can just trust us to do whatever is good because we're being made in the image of God. Yeah. I, I think one of the big criticisms of any kind of movement away from tradition 
um, the criticism coming from the traditional people is, well, what about evangelism? Because it seems like so often kind of new ways of doing church movements um, move away from traditional forms of evangelism. And, you know, anytime that we see this this kind of exodus away from religion and we, we, we hear that people are still want to be spiritual and maybe even still want to follow Jesus, just not in the structure of the church, we say, well, what about evangelism? You know, Ooh, how... I, I want to take that. I want to answer that. Go I, for it. An answer. I got an answer to that. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm getting pumped up. Let me get my let me get my little grippy things, my weight bench out, and start getting jacked up on this one. My answer to evangelism, because I, I hear this all the time from people, and I tell them, when you look at the New Testament, whether it's Acts or it's Matthew or it's John or whatever, even with anything the Apostle Paul does, 90% or more of the time, what's happening there is not a discussion, yet a display. Jesus displays his love. Jesus displays his mercy. He displays his power by turning water into wine, by making food multiply. He appears to Paul and gives him an experience. And now the crowd around them, and that's why you read Acts. It's like, you know, they, oh, you know, Peter did all these miracles, and then 5,000 were added to their number. It's not because he stood there and told them, by the way, you're going to hell. You're sinning, you're sinning, you're terrible. And yes, there was preaching involved, but a lot of what happened was there was a demonstration of love and mercy. Culture seems to be affecting the way we do church, the way we practice our faith. Americans are much less likely now than in past generations to want to have any kind of social affiliation, whether that's with a denomination or a political party. We're much less likely to feel the need to be part of a group or to attend services. We're much more likely to want to find our own way to compile the things that work for us into something that is unique and is tailored specifically for our needs. I talked with Jay McNeil, who founded a service called Clergy for Hire, which sounds a little bit gimmicky, but Jay has found that meeting the spiritual needs of people in America today is a unique challenge that requires a unique approach. Clergy for Hire is the ministry that I have, and it is basically allows people to find clergy. Uh, it's a, like the 21st century phone book. It's a database of clergy who want to serve people and be found by folks in the public who don't already have a faith community, uh, which, you know, in my mind should be, if you're called to ministry, you should be where people can find you. So find us at clergyforhire.us and sign up. And then people in the general public can go and find you, search by zip code and a radius and pull up the folks in the area. Uh, who are there and affiliated and yeah. contact you directly. Yeah, that's it's it's an interesting site and idea. Um, I I, th- I think for some people it might sound a little bit. Uh, it's not the 
church that they're used to, and it might sound a little bit gimmicky, but I think that the, what I heard from you just kind of about the how this is developing and the kind of relationships that you can form, you're able to form with folks, and the philosophy behind what's going on here is really exciting and interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. So, on one hand, it's just this very functional, practical piece that I just sort of described to you. And on another hand, it is a vision of interfaith and interdenominational clergy working together peacefully, So, which is, to me, how it should be. We do a lot of um, sort of tearing each other down or judging other, other belief systems, and, and there's sort of a hostility towards others and you know we're all about converting people to what we believe and if you'll just come into our tribe and our camp and our denomination um, and I think that if we had more respect and more conversation between us um, that we would all grow and we would get closer to who God is and what truth is and the kind of world that God would be proud of um, and so that's a another way of talking about clergy for hire our tagline is building the world that should be and so we have a real vision. Um, you know, this is not just a functional thing. You know, uh, I encourage all of our clergy never to do uh, any sort of um, service or caretaking with folks that is, you know, slapstick. Uh, people try and criticize us for being some sort of like Las Vegas drive-through service, like a wedding or something. And that's not who we are. Uh, and we give everybody uh, the opportunity to stay in relationship with us. And we can't compel people to that, but we make sure that we are offering relationship long-term with people long after we've made the connection. Uh, And so full-time clergy, part-time clergy who have a faith community that is behind them, we love the opportunity for them to say, you know, my name is Jay McNeil, and I serve at First Baptist Church, uh, and I would love for you to come visit sometime. If you ever have any questions, come on down, or contact me by email, or telephone, or Facebook, whatever's convenient for you. Just know that I still am available to you after you know we've had this coffee conversation, or you know I've done your grandfather's funeral, whatever it is that you need help with. I want to help you in the short term, but we want to stay in relationship long term. Yeah. If they don't take you up on that, they don't take you up on that. But that's the freedom that God gives everybody. Sure. I think, uh, well, it brings to mind, for me, a lot of the things that we hear about kind of the way people approach church and the way that that has changed in the last 10, 20 years. And that so many people, the vast majority of people will visit a church website before they will ever go through the door of the church. Um, and actually, most people will visit a church website multiple times before they visit the church. And people want to explore a little bit before they are sort of confronted in person or before they have to interact with the whole structure. Um, and it seems like that translates somewhat to this project. How, how, do you, how, how do you see those things correlating? Well, you are definitely correct in the, in the changing makeup of our society uh, I can mostly talk about US culture and uh, the church cultures that I've experienced moving around the United States um, yes people we know that numbers are declining in most churches um, but the, the ways that people think about church um, it's not a priority for them the way that it used to be um, 
they're not uh, as you know, we used to be taught uh, by the people who are local to us and we bought into that uh, and there was nothing wrong with that and there was a great deal of truth in what we were being taught but now everybody has so much access to information and they recognize that there's more truth than what they're getting locally um, and so you know they're just putting their faith together in a in a much broader context with so many more sources for truth and questioning um, that it's a beautiful thing, but we've got to find ways to support the sacred in the world and people in their journey, yeah. uh, even though they're disinclined to come knocking on the church door, or walk into the church office, or even go to a church website. Um, what Clergy for Hire does is it, it acknowledges that, and it sort of gives people a way to access clergy in a way that they're comfortable with. So it's sort of a, it, it presents as a fairly secular format. Um, and we make this introduction, and it's up to the clergy person when they sit down face-to-face with the person to manifest God's love with them in the best way that they know how. Yeah, and you mentioned to me earlier how the, the very personal connection and actually connecting with a person on, a, on kind of a singular basis rather than the figure who is at the front of the church seems significant. Right. And so there's a huge truth that I'm discovering more and more how true it is that people are looking for a person. Uh, They want to know, and they can have, you know, whatever name they're going to have, whatever shape they're going to have, whatever height, whatever color. uh, But they want a person, a real person with warts and goofy, and I'm... You know, I'm kind of a goofy, I'm not just your picturesque sort of charismatic minister or clergy person, but people um, have been glad to find me. And so to me that says, it's not about, um, you know, that that I bear the church to people. They're, yeah. They don't yeah. want that. They're resisting that. They don't want all the baggage and connotation um, that comes with a congregation or a church or a denomination, but they want to be able to sit down with somebody who does have the training, but they want it to be a level playing field with no baggage. And so when they find a person, whether it's Jay McNeil or Lisette Cross or Brian Purcell or Jason Weedle, and it's just they're so happy to have a person that that. And that makes sense with postmodernist thinking. It's the story. Um, they can respect that somebody else has a truth and has an experience. Um, they just can't dictate or impose that on somebody else. Everyone needs to be free to choose and pursue their own path. Um, and if we want to be a part of that conversation, we can't demand to own the whole story for them. We can't impose our narrative on them entirely. Uh, we want them to choose whatever our faith is. You know, I'm a Christian, so I want them to choose and own that God is embodied in Jesus Christ. But I can't compel them to do that. God can't sure. compel them to do that. Um, and God gives people the freedom to choose or not choose. There will always be people who don't choose to follow God. And we need to respect that and, and be in conversation with them. So if we want to be there... Um, how do we be there? Where are they looking? And, the and honest to God, they are looking for clergy online. There will, the first thing they'll do is start Googling 
uh, for clergy to hire. That's why we have the name. It's not because it makes those inside of clergy for hire happy, but it's what the people who are looking for clergy are putting into their search engines. Yeah, it's interesting. So, do you want to be clergy for hire? Maybe you don't want to be clergy for hire. I'm making my little air quotes. Um, you don't feel called to be clergy for hire, but do you feel called to be clergy? Do you feel called to be found? If you're clergy, the answer is probably yes. And so where are they looking? They're checking the web for you. So will you be there? I, I think a, a lot as you talk about what this kind of approach means for the church as we move forward and for ministry to people as we move forward. Um, as you look out 10, 15, 20 years down the road, um, how do you think that we are changing our approach to reaching out to people and, and ministering to people? How are we changing? Well, this idea... Or how should we be changing? I was going to say, this, what, I, what I'm doing, I'm doing because it hasn't been done before. Uh, it just seems to me that it should have been done 10 or 15 years ago. Um, I should already be able to take advantage of a place where clergy can, you know, put their profile and be found. Um, and so I think going forward, there may be... Uh, uh, there, you know, there will probably be several of these organizations, and they may have different connotations to them. Uh, but it won't. It may be, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm not really happy with the labels of liberal, progressive, moderate, conservative. But we'll use them for ease to say. Um, you know, there may be. Uh, you know, a clergy for hire that's liberal. There may be a clergy for hire that's moderate. They may be a clergy for hire that's. Um, conservative. Um, really, what I would hope for is that there's a clergy for hire, and you can narrow your search by these qualifiers and pull up. You know, in the future, it'll probably be a three-dimensional holograph, and you can have a little virtual. You know, it'll appear like this conversation you are, ha you and I are having in three dimensions, but we can do it on the web or something. Um, but it's very important to me, and one of the things that I'm excited about is that while this is begins as an internet-based thing, um, the result is in-person relationships. It seems that relationships really are the most central, most important thing in our church experience. And whether we do church in a traditional building with a steeple, or whether our experience of the body of Christ is simply talking with people in the living room and meeting people at the job in the coffee shop, those relationships are so, so important. I was able to talk with Tony Kriz, who is a, a writer and a speaker. He had a few interesting things to say about this relationship issue. Yeah, so I'm from uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, back there, I live with my with my wife and my three boys. We live in a communal household. It's a multiracial, multi-class, multi-spirituality household with a bunch of other people. We're trying to sort of live out the Jesus way in our neighborhood. And, you know, we're sort of crazy Portland people. You know what you've heard about? We're into gardening and chickens and collecting rainwater, and we have a greenhouse and all that crazy stuff. And, and you call yourself a neighborhood theologian. <laughs> what it means is is we I think theology. We spend too much time at ten thousand feet. I think theology only really matters 
when it is when it's got dirt under its toenails uh, just like Jesus had dirt under his toenails how the theology Jesus talked about was utterly applicable in his immediate time and space so we're asking the questions the literal questions what does it mean to love our neighbor our actual neighbor not our theoretical neighbor our actual neighbor what does it mean to embrace and live out and identify injustice and live out justice in our time and space specifically what does it mean to live in true integrated relationship with folks who look nothing like me whose background is nothing like mine Um, what does that mean and what does that look like and how does jesus show up in those spaces where do you kind of see us going forward in uh, the church and faith and christianity do you do you have a, a positive outlook that we are becoming people of more community and more unity and more like jesus Yeah, I don't have any faith in us at all, to be perfectly honest. Um, I like to to hope. I like to hope that the sort of decisions we've made, the epiphanies we've had as a family to change the way we live, that they are increasingly in line with the kingdom of God. My hope is that it is. I don't necessarily trust my ability to interpret the choices we've made. But I can tell you this, every epiphany we've had was done to us. We did not initiate we did not have a great idea like we um god god came in and did it to us and like we like to say in my case i am not the most important character in my own spiritual story why would i think i'm the most important character in my community's spiritual story that god is ultimately the one through the spirit who is guiding us and so that's that's the only place where my hope lies that might sound like a cop-out but it's really true figuring out how we talk about Jesus outside the church seems very difficult. Figuring out how we talk about Jesus as the church structure changes and as the needs and spiritual desires of the culture that we live in changes. Adjusting to that, learning to navigate that seems pretty difficult. I guess it's important, though, that we recognize and realize that trusting that God will work through us and around us is what's most important. If you'd like to hear more from the guests that we've had, from the Outsiders podcast, from Tony Kriz, from Jay McNeil, take a look at our show notes. Also, take a listen to some of the other shows on the Media Scorch podcast network. We've got some great shows that we've done. And please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.